no driving gloves, we're a combination of gearheads. John, the instigator. Derek, the conserver. Will, the builder. And maybe a guest. Invite you to listen while they sit down, have a drink, and discuss cars. Learn more and subscribe to the podcast at No Driving Gloves. Time now for the ride. Boy, I almost screwed that one up. I almost hit end broadcast as opposed to end the video. Oops. That would have been awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, it would just go on. I mean, for those that tried to join us last week, I apologize. Um, I don't know if it was board. I don't know if it was camera. I don't know what. Uh, in working with our provider, StreamYard, uh, we determined that a major issue had happened with Chrome. And C, the letter C. Chrome uh, was malfunctioning. They finally did an update. It seems to be working well. If I would have chosen to use Firefox, uh, we should have been okay last week. But I don't know. We had video, no audio, and then we had no audio and no video and whatever. If you were here, you kind of saw it. I appreciate those that tried to stick with me as long as I tried to stick it out. Uh, when I ceased, I still worked a few more hours on trying to make the broadcast, figure out what was wrong. And then I actually live stream a cigar podcast on Thursdays, and it went to um, hell in a handbasket, too. So that that's just the quick summary of what happened to last week's podcast. I know some people were actually looking to watch and see what we were talking about with the letter C. Uh, I wish I could really play that um, Sesame Street theme music. Now we're going to get to Sesame Street. Well, whatever. But we've got Derek joining us tonight. What's going on, Derek? Today's episode is today's episode is brought to you by the letter C. And I would That's say what's going the, on. the number four hundred. Is that right? Ah, <laughs> I mean C three hundred. Are they on the four hundred now? Do they even build it anymore? Well, that's what I was trying. All of a sudden, I'm starting at the end and going forward. I don't even know if they're even calling it a number. The old Z, the old Z. I don't know. I don't they know. Don't seem to. I just don't know. I, I mean, it, it couldn't be anymore. It'd have to be the S four hundred because it's Stellantis. Or the four hundred S. It would just be the 300C, the 300B. Oh, I was talking the Nissan Z. Just oh, I totally. thought you were still on the C, like Chrysler, yeah. like the Chrysler 300B, the 300C. I thought we were talking about Cs. No, I do have Stellantis things to talk about, though, but that's according to my new monitors over here. That's five topics in. So the Z car, six topics. Okay, well, I'm jumping point. the gun. Oh yeah, you know you know what happens when you stand on top of the sea, John. You sink. Are you there? <laughs> See, make everybody. I, I, think. I'm I'm here, but I think we're we're I think we're having some technical difficulties because you keep uh, at least on my end you're locking up, so I'm not hearing everything you're saying. So this could be a rough episode. I don't know. I'm watching my little video here, and I seem to be okay. Hearing everything you're saying. Yeah, like, like I said, it's it's very likely that it's my uh, my internet here in wonderful Kentucky. You know. Well, you said you were having storms. I heard you talking to the dog about it. I didn't hear what the dog had to say, but. Yeah, well, there's storms in the area. She she decided to run off and curl up in a, a corner. So there's thunder somewhere. Yeah, and of course I'm could be a fifty thing. miles away because dogs hear that. So yeah. So anyway, uh, audience claims they uh, are hearing everything. So there we go. Really? Does that mean you're seeing comments? Uh, uh, I'm seeing comments texted to me via my phone. Oh, okay. Because I'm saying I'm I'm not seeing any comments on the show yet tonight. So, but glad to hear. So well, the if, theme uh, if, of last if, week if was it gets weird, to, it gets weird. I would say the theme of last week was supposed to be letter C, and I built a whole episode around relevant news topics from last week that were the letter C. 
and I'm not going to let them go to waste because I have comments on some of these. Uh, and I'm going to start with the kind of the big one because I have a lot of things to say about the way these people have been working. And that was Carvana. Uh, any of our listeners that are out there that are really paying attention uh, knows Carvana decided to lay off 2,500 people last week. Uh, no notice, nothing. Of course, they always say that in the press. Eric, when's the last time you heard of a big, massive layoff like that that they warned them? Hmm. <laughs> hmm. I'm going to go with never, John. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't see the big thing there. And I mean, when, when they warn them, it's called early retirement. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And none of the, most of these people I'm assuming were not uh, eligible for early retirement. What gets me is, I mean, just three weeks ago, I was seeing pop-ups on Facebook, you know, starting at 17 bucks an hour, I can go drive a Carvana truck around town and hit everything in sight. The only people that drive worse than an Amazon driver in a truck are the Carvana drivers, I swear. Uh, but they laid off 2,500 people, and I don't mean to really laugh about it, but uh, I thought Carvana was actually doing, being kind of nice. Four weeks severance to everybody that they're laying off. Uh, additional week of severance per year of service, allowing you to keep insurance for three months. And the big one that kind of got swept under the rug, and it just gets one sentence mentioned every now and then. Um, let's see here. The executive team is foregoing their salaries for the remainder of the year to help contribute mm. to the severance pay in that. So even the executives who screwed this up um, made a sacrifice. And I kind of thought that was a, a nice thing for them to do. But my issue is, I think Carvana made the problem themselves. They're blaming it on the economy. They're blaming it on the used car market. They're, well, all kinds of excuses. Other than the fact, have you ever talked to somebody who was selling a car to Carvana, Derek? I have not, but I was talking to um, someone we both know that bought their car through Carvana and had a great experience. So, uh, but I've never talked to somebody on the other end. I see. I've, I've talked to a few people that have sold cars and I've read lots of stories about people selling cars to Carvana. And I even made a comment when I bought my uh, car last summer, I came straight home and typed it into Carvana and they would have given me more money cash if I would have driven it to Carvana that day that I paid at the dealership tax title license out the door price you know they would have given me more that same day three hours later I think that's where their problem was I think that's where the problem lied is they were overpaying for their used cars they were paying mm -hmm. stupid money for used cars and do you you I'm probably pretty sure know the rule about how to make money when you sell a car, right? Or when you make when the you, money? When you sell a car? Yeah. When do you make money on a car? Never. You make it when you buy it. Never. If you buy it right. The cars, the cars, John, the, the cars I buy, never. <laughs> If you buy it right, you make more money going out. If you buy it wrong, you don't have that profit. And I think that's where Carvana made the mistake. I think I don't care if they're blaming it on supply change, interest rates, inflation. Yes, all those are contributing factors. But when X dealer is offering you six grand for a car and Carvana is offering you 7,500 for it, Somebody's losing $1,500 in this deal because I think well, they're both going to sell them at the, uh, the same price. Yeah, but here's and, – and here's the thing, John. I mean that's just uh, – you know, I'm, I'm not going to say I'm some, you know, business maestro, master of, of economics here. But it's kind of basic understanding of, 
of business, right? I mean, you have to be looking forward at you know, forecasting what might happen in the future and make sure that what you're doing today is going to you know, be beneficial for the company going forward. And I will, I agree with you. Yeah. Everything, the economy has, has gone crazy, but if they weren't looking at what was going on in the market at the time they were doing this and offering, you know, a thousand, fifteen hundred, whatever it was, more than what other companies were selling or buying for, then that was just not smart business practice, right? You you should be looking at what's going on in the market itself to base your, you know, your plan, your business plan, your business moves on. And if you're doing something crazy, it's only going to lead to problems in the future. Yeah, I understand they're paying a little bit more to secure inventory. And I mean, you can go on Carvana's site and you can find some pretty rare stuff. I mean, I have yet to see a Maverick cross through, say, CarMax. I've seen multiple Ford Mavericks pass through Carvana. Most of them for well above the sticker price. Um, So, you know, I understand their gamble to try to secure inventory and things like that. I just think they made some some mistakes and i think it's it was very odd because this was announced the layoffs were announced on may 10th uh we're sitting here talking about this on what may 18th 18th. um the same day carvana also announced they were spending 2.2 billion dollars here y'all see the door get out the door uh executives you all take a pay cut uh, and uh, then we spent $2.2 billion. And I think the $2.2 billion was spent to help rectify some of that those mistakes that Carvana was making in purchasing cars and buying Odessa. And by buying Odessa, that's the one of the largest auction companies out there, for those that don't know, that helps you know, basically dealers take their cars there, sell them, or auction them, buy other cars, and that's where the used car market happens. That's where you know that's where the dealers trade their cars amongst each other. This way, now Carvana kind of has a, um, I think, a pretty good foot in the door. Um, I can't say, and I don't think it would be legal for them to say, "Oh, you brought the X blah 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 car in. This is great. We're not going to auction it." You know, they, but I think it'll help really key them in real directly on what the prices should be. Uh, give them a, uh, do I want to say stupendous? I just going to give them a fabulous database of the used car market, what what's being paid and without, you know, they, they get to watch everything. Um, I can't remember how many Odessa's are there actually in the country. Um, I got the number here somewhere. 56 Odessa locations. I don't know the answer to. Yep. 60, yes, 56 uh, Odessa locations, 4,000 acres, 6.5 million um, square feet of buildings. So they're going to be able to compile thousands and thousands of cars worth of wholesale data now, potential retail data, what cars are coming through, what car, you know. I think, I think that was a very good move. Um, I see them trying to write the ship um, with that. It sounds like it. I mean, that, that really does. I mean, it, it sounds like that's exactly what they're trying to do. And, you know, again, maybe they've made the finally made the smart business move. Well, it, I mean, it can't hurt. I mean, it's $2.2 billion. That's, you know, pretty serious money, but I I don't, I, I honestly don't see it being a mistake. I think it's a very, very good move on their part. Going on to my next C that I was going to cover last week, and I made a smart-ass comment on a Facebook page uh-huh. in relation to exactly this article as presented by um, C8CorvetteBlog.com. Um, 
the C8 Z06 Corvette um, is sold out. Um, mm-hmm. They've supposedly they went to, and this is all hearsay. It's a blog, and I'm going off the blog. I didn't research any of this. They they've contacted many Chevrolet dealerships and um, have found some of them have hundreds of orders for the um, Corvette Z06. No pricing or anything to be announced until I think October. But the the names are on the list, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Which this translates to a four-year wait on a Z06. We've got a um, ZR1 coming out within those four years. We've got a um, hybrid-type Corvette coming out. Because the Z06 is supercharged, the ZR1 is going to be twin turbocharged, and then, from what I understand, there's going to be a electric, you know, a hybrid Corvette. And I don't think they're doing that to compete with the Prius. But we'll get into some Corvette competitors here in a minute. Um, so what this has resulted in, and this is where my smart-ass comment came in. If I go up here. One dealer's demanding a hundred K over sticker for a Z06. Um, we don't know what they're going to cost. GM's hinted that they're going to start below a hundred, so ninety-seven, ninety-eight thousand dollars. And we have one dealer supposedly asking a hundred over sticker, um, and that the rumor is rumor. Um is uh, Dinbit Chevrolet in Clearwater um, supposedly is is the one doing this. Uh, the author of this article, um, which is uh, James Gilboy, uh, he states that he did reach out to the dealership and no salesperson or sales manager called him back to confirm. But the way it was explained to him is they're breaking it down into you place the order, is due when you fill out your order sheet and actually place the order, and an additional 75K will be due upon delivery of the car. This isn't that crazy because I've read a couple of stories where some owners or some potential buyers were being charged 100K over sticker for the new Hummer. Uh, So I... Don't know what to say. I did learn that there is a website, uh, go markups.org if anybody wants to try it. That does, it's a public sourced information, kind of like Gas Buddy or whatever, about what the dealer markups, and you can track dealer markups on just about any car through that site. I thought it was kind of neat. So, uh, markups.org. So, wait, 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 John. I want to step back because, so you're saying that. That's on top of the purchase price. Yes. Is that what you're just saying? That's you're saying they're they're making you pay that like the twenty thousand, then the seventy five thousand is on top of the purchase price. Because you the way you said that it didn't really quite make sense. You said five thousand for the allotment, which is is the normal, you know, five thousand down for a Corvette to get the you know, when you put in your right. allotment. Da 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 da, and then you said when you actually place the order twenty thousand, and then when you take delivery another seventy five thousand, but that is all money that you're saying is not included in the purchase price. You're yes, saying that that's is, the additional fees they're charging. Yes, that is above and beyond the sticker price. They kind of break it down here. GM has indicated that it, the Z06 could start under hundred k, and that suggests that the total price for a Z06 would be well beyond $180,000, easily in, sec- in excess of $200,000, uh, depending on your final manufacturer suggested retail price and your potential options. Uh, so, like they say, it's uh, effectively doubling the price of what is not a limited production car. Low production car, but not but, limited but production But here's the car. thing. Here- here, here's the thing. I mean, uh, you know, GM Mark Royce himself has already said that 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 kind of stuff's not going to fly. 
that that is not going to fly with General Motors. That their customer base is being charged extra just because this is such uh, a sought after vehicle. And I would not be surprised if we didn't see some things come out of GM in the next few weeks, saying, "No, you're not doing that." I mean, they've already threatened. They threatened with the the C8 Stingray to take allotments away from dealerships, and. I can't imagine that they're not going to uphold that with the Z06. Uh, the one thing about the Corvette team and and gen- what General Motors does with Corvette is that it is very focused on the customer and the the you know their clientele, and they they don't like it when dealerships do this kind of stuff because yeah. it hurts the name of the the brand it it hurts the corvette brand and they're not going to let their dealership uh, you know uh, i'm i've just lost the word i was looking for but their you know their dealerships they're not going to let them damage the brand that way yeah and that that's kind of how this article concludes um they reference the same dealer i'm not going to use their name again uh, go back in the podcast if you want, but they reference that in March of 2021, that same dealership was marking up every C8 in their inventory, 30,000. Mm-hmm. But GM has warned dealers against price gouging. Um, the company's North American president, Steve Carlisle, issued a strongly worded letter about the practice. Uh, GM will be forced to take action if it learns of any unethical sales practices, blah, 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 that will undermine the integrity and what uh, uh, customers expect, Carlisle wrote, referencing passages of the GM's dealer agreements that forbid practices harmful to the reputation of dealers, General Motors, or its products. So supposedly GM's going to stand up for the consumer here. It'll be interesting to find out. And a couple other articles I've read is that Ford's doing it uh, with, you know, like the Mach-E and some things like, and the Ford Lightning. Ford's warned it with the Ford Lightning. No no markups, sell it at sticker or your allocation. Well, here's the thing. Exactly. Here's the thing. They, they only give so many allocations to each dealer. Okay, if if the car is that sought after, any of these vehicles, the 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 Z06, the the Mach E, the Maverick, whatever whatever vehicle it is, I don't I don't care what we're talking about, but these cars are starting to become very very sought after by a lot of people. There aren't enough allotments for everybody that wants them, especially in the Corvette world. It's not going to hurt GM if one dealership is saying, or Ford with the Mach-E's or whatever, it is not going to hurt them if they go to that dealership and say, you're done. No more, no Corvette allotments, because all they're going to do is take those allotments and send them over to a dealership that is going to abide by the rule, and they're still going to make the sales. It does not hurt GM or Ford one bit to take allotments away from a dealership because they just assign them over to another one. And they're still going to sell all those vehicles. And I know I'm not going to use any names of any dealerships or any dealership owners, but I have talked to a couple of dealership owners, including one in the same state as the dealer that you mentioned earlier, that actually got a a group of dealerships got together and said, they wrote a letter to GM and said, this has to stop because the customers are upset. And there are, so there are, I know there are dealerships out there that are going to GM and saying, we, we will abide by the rules and we want to abide by your rules because we want our customers to get the car at the price you're selling it for. And we need to stop. You need to stop these dealerships that are, are hurting the brand and hurting the sales at other dealerships. And GM is listening. And I'm sure if there's, on the Ford side, if there's dealers doing that, they're going to listen too. Um, you know, I mean, it's, and, and you've got to look at the fact that the auto manufacturers are, are, have gone through a very tough time 
the auto industry has gone through a very tough time and they're now at a point where they're building cars that are being sought after that people want to buy. They get on waiting lists for it and they've, they're starting to turn the industry around to where things are going to be successful. Again, they're not going to risk it. They're not going to risk it with dealerships that are going to overcharge and upset people and, you know, ruin it for the rest of, of the, the customers. So, you know, I, I, I can't see GM Ford, anybody not coming in and saying "Mm, you're done because it's, what does it hurt them? They move those sales to another dealer. That's going to abide by the rules and make sure the customer's happy. So GM in the end, they're not hurt. Nope. I mean, we kind of talked about this a few weeks ago about the the dealer markups and, you know, Will was all for sell it for whatever you can get for it. But I understand the rules. I'm I'm totally good with it. Of course, the flip side is the guy that pays a sticker for his Z06 can then all of a sudden turn around and sell it for 100 grand more than what he paid. But mm-hmm. that's what he does. He has no agreement. So that's the rules. My joke in this whole thing was 100K, four-year waiting list, the average age of a Corvette buyer. Well, well, well. The well, difference well. between we, having a, Z06, a C8 Z06 and not having one. So You're, you're using the historic uh, median age of a Corvette owner. You have to understand that, that C8 has brought that number down quite dramatically. And I I speak from experience because I watched people picking up their new Corvettes at the museum and it was a much younger crowd most of the time getting those cars. But to back up to something else you just said, John, which is the guy who buys or the lady that buys that Z06 at sticker and then goes out and, you know, basically sells it, you flips it for a profit. This is not from GM, but I have heard dealers talking about the fact that they hope that there may be some way to stop that. And whether that's signing some kind of agreement that you will, you know, not sell the car for a year. Think of think of the the Ford GT and the I think it was a two year contract that you had to sign that you wouldn't sell the car. Yeah, Ford was two years. Ferrari does it, does it with a lot of their limited models. But yeah, people and still... so there, there have been. I have heard some people talk about the idea that m- maybe at this point, uh, the Z06 and some of these need to have something like that. Now, will will GM ever consider that or do that? Hard to say. Can a dealership do it? Hard to say under their you know agreement with GM and their licenses. But I have heard people talking, uh, dealers specifically, about the fact that to make sure that their customers, and these are dealerships that sell quite a few Corvettes, and they're really, they care for their clientele. You know, they are there for the people that are buying these cars. And they they don't want people coming in and buying the cars and flipping them. They want to be able to say, yeah, we know that you're going to keep this car for at least a year. You're not doing this for a straight profit. Because when they do, people do that, you're just taking it away from somebody that actually wants the car, right? And I know a few of the dealers don't want to do that to their clientele. They want to make sure that they're selling the car to a client that is going to enjoy the car, have the car, and not just take it out to, you know, strap it down on an open trailer, drive it six hours down the road to one of the auctions and unstrap it, roll it off, and it's got a mile on it, and they sell it for a hundred. 50,000 more than they just paid for it. There are a lot of dealers that don't want to see that happen. And that's, I mean, that's the car market. I mean, that stuff happens. Uh, People break those rules and resell even when they're not supposed to. Um, I know Ferrari went to a leasing thing where you leased the car for two years before you were allowed to purchase it. That way, 
Ferrari retained the title and the ownership rights for two years. Um, so, that, I mean, there's people have tried to play the game, dealer or manufacturers have, but we'll see what happens. You know, this it's going to be interesting. And of course, with the world the way it is today, the supply chains and everything, we got to, if we get to it, there's certain executives that don't see the supply chain thing getting better, no matter what you say or what you're being told. To conclude my Corvette conversations, this article just came across uh, my desk um, today, I believe. It might have been yesterday by Christian Sauce. Huh? Hot off the press. Yep. Uh, from the drive. Give proper uh, credit here. Um, let's see here. How do I want to start this? I'll just start with her quoting her and her article. If you think nostalgia is what the car industry needs even more of, then there's some potentially good news. The Ford Thunderbird may be coming back. The revived Thunderbird. Yeah, I've read this. Yep. Will be a grand touring coupe to compete with the Corvette. I think Ford's done this one other time. Maybe Ford learned what they did wrong. <laughs> what is that, 60 years ago? But <laughs> 70 no, years, they, 70 they, years they ago. Brought the, they brought the T-Bird back in 2000. But they didn't bring it back to be a Corvette competitor Two? then. Well, yeah, definitely not. Definitely not. No, they brought that back to be a per- personal luxury vehicle. But which is in, what it was intended to be in the first place. That's that's all they advertised it as in, in 1955, too. So but it came about because of the Corvette. It would have you would have never seen a Thunderbird without the Corvette. Of course, without the Thunderbird, I don't think we'd be having this C eight conversation either. So uh, that's um, not an of course. That is a one hundred percent had the Thunderbird not come out in fifty five, there would be no Corvette today. So it's uh it's an interesting thing. It'd be nice to see Ford come out with another two-door car in their lineup, another car in their lineup, and put a little bit of pressure. I mean, honestly, I think the Viper improved the Corvette. Mm-hmm. It brought it to another 100%. level, just as the NSX improved the Ferrari. If you don't have competition, you just sit on your ass. And mm-hmm. now that there's no Viper... Corvette's the king of the hill for America. I mean, now they're going. Now they're going to fight Ferrari. Um, yeah, but it'll be interesting to see a mid-engine Thunderbird. Uh, well, no. I've read that they are definitely they're not bringing it out mid-engine. I, everything I've read, I've read like three articles that have come across, and everything I'm reading says they're going to stick with the front-engine platform. Now, could could people be wrong? Yes. Uh, maybe I need to talk to some of the folks I know at Ford, but I'm I'm just wondering if it's going to actually come out as the Ford Thunderbirdy. Uh, there's probably no doubt it's going to come out as some sort of hybrid electric vehicle. Yeah. You're be the point, Thunder, there, Thunderbirdy. There, there is yeah, there is kind of no no point in building a. Um, I get what you're saying. Hey, developing a gas-powered car, unless we go to one of the later articles here. And to add fuel to the fire, Ford did trademark the Thunderbird name on January 13th, 2021. So they've been thinking about it for a little bit. But then again, they've also kept that copyrighted since 55. Yeah, I was surprised to see. Well, maybe... They filed for the trademark because they're just renewing their trademark. <laughs> but it could be, could be. But, but then again, you know, they just brought back the Maverick. They just brought back the Bronco, and so that's my second group of C news. The next C news I had, it's really not that big a deal, but Cadillac unveiled their um, six hundred and eighty-two horsepower Escalade V. For one hundred and forty nine thousand nine hundred dollars, nine hundred and ninety dollars, so ten bucks shy of pocket change. Um, I'm not sure I really like the new front clip on the Cadillac, but 
I are in the, on the Escalade. Um, but then again, I didn't quite like the Escalade front every time it's come out and then it's grown on me with the exception of the big hulking headlight kind of first generation as uh, second generation Escalade. But a V series I like the front end treatment on this thing. It's a, it's a beast of a truck with 682 horsepower. And I'm sure it's got 150 K to throw at it. I'm sure you can throw Lingenfelter or Callaway 7,500 K more and, end up with a thousand horsepower escalate easy so mm-hmm. i just wanted to throw that one out there because it was a c um i don't know if they're uh, let's see here 682 horsepower 653 pound feet of torque um the uh, cts 5v is 668 horsepower 659 pound feet of torque so According to this article, that makes the Cadillac Escalade V the most powerful powerful production Cadillac ever. Um, and even the uh, Porsche Cayenne Turbo SE Hybrid delivers 671 horsepower and the Lamborghini Urus. And I saw a gorgeous blue Urus over the weekend, but a whole nother story. Uh, 650 horsepower. So, uh, you know. Zero to 64.4 seconds, uh, 10-speed automatic transmission. So that's, uh, you know, that's, I guess, no driving gloves buy of the week. Got 150K. You know, because you need a eight-passenger Suburban that can go zero to 60 in four seconds. Yeah. Yeah. (sighs) Didn't we just talk about that a couple weeks ago on the show? How... People don't need ridiculous vehicles like this because they don't know how to drive them. We might have. I've got mm-hmm. this article, and I don't know. It almost probably takes a good amount of a conversation, but five bad habits that will destroy your dual clutch transmission. The problem is people. Owning- Number number one, owning a dual clutch transmission. No, <laughs> I know it's the way of the world. It's just it was a joke, people. I say I have a dual clutch. I I enjoy my dual clutch. Um, I learned a couple things tonight. I'm trying to thumb through my owner's manual, which when I flooded my car, I actually found the owner's manual in my car, and I've on the League of Extraordinary Maniacs Facebook page, I've helped a couple other people find the owner's manual to their car because they hide it. <laughs> if you want the actual printed, uh, there is a, on some of the minis, you can go into the dashboard and flip a few things and you can read the owner's manual on your dashboard if you want to. But um, uh, it's a neat little uh, YouTube video on the five things you shouldn't do um, that would destroy your uh, dual clutch. I'll probably post it to the Facebook page. Um, be sure to, you know, keep your foot on the brake on hills. You know, don't kind of let, you know, kind of let it, s- it slip the clutch and such. You know, we do that with our manual transmissions, you know, little fine brake and clutch work to keep the car from not moving so we don't have to use the brake pedal for some reason. I highly recommend in heavy traffic, don't inch forward allow for a gap and go again. It is a clutch. It, you do slip it. You can wear out the clutches in a dual clutch transmission. It is not an automatic. It is not a CVT. It is basically two man, manual transmissions that are computer controlled using a clutch. Um, a big one is um, don't um, what do I want to say? Don't kind of upshift while braking and don't kind of downshift while um, accelerating because it really confuses the car because the way a, a dual clutch works is it's anticipating the next gear you're going to go into. And if you're in third and you're accelerating, the car is expecting you to go to fourth. And then if all of a sudden you start start to brake or things change, it confuses the transmission and it'll take it a 
a little bit longer to shift because it'll have to correct itself and slide to down a gear. So those are just a couple of the little things. They say be careful on launch. So if you're accelerating and they don't want you to hit the brakes because it's already predicting that it needs to go into fourth, do you just slam into the guy that slammed on his brakes in front of you really hard and ruin everything but the transmission? That That's different because you're not continuing motion. If you're accelerating and then you let up on, you know, then you start to brake and then you start to accelerate again, that's where the transmission gets confused. It understands if you're slamming on the brakes to stop from hitting the guy in front of you and heck most of these cars have radars on them radars so they are already knowing that oh no you're going to hit this guy and they're anticipating the stop so just a couple of little things on the dual clutch i'll pop that up on uh the no driving gloves facebook page uh so anybody can watch that little video so it's it's not C related, but we do have a comment in the comment section about um, our our conversational thoughts, keeping it under C uh, on two part poly rubber no flat tires, John. Are we talking? I don't know what the two part poly rubber no flat is. We're getting very um, technical. I believe he's referencing the two-part uh, tires with the hard poly rubber uh, inner, you know, run flat tire, I think. I was trying to decide if he is referencing a run flat, if it was the new Michelins that are basically have no air in them, or if it was the... Um, is it the flex steel or whatever that you can put on your Cadillacs with the big thick white balls? Um, I have run flats on my Mini. I've had to replace a tire on my Mini, and I still stuck with run flats. For the average person on the road, the average driver, no reason not to have run flats. You're probably safer that way. Yes, the ride's a might be slightly more rough or rougher, but I think they've gotten a lot better since they were first introduced. Um, they are a harder compound. It's really easy to spin the tires, especially in sport mode, taking off from a dead stop in my car. Um, I can't remember. I was pulling out around somebody the other day to I had to make a lane change and accelerate and it was limited traffic and all it did is squeal tires the whole time. So obviously I was losing all the acceleration. Heck yeah. Um, solid rubber. All right, Colin, hang on. Cause Colin, yeah. Solid rubber. So are we talking about the ones with the solid rubber around the, you know, the actual rim and airing up the outer layer, you know, so basically the, original style run flats or are we talking about a true, the new solid rubber tires that people are talking Michelin and, and those guys are looking at bringing out. That's what we're trying to clarify here. They said, okay, it. did you fill them with it? Cause I've, I've done that as well. I've, I've put, I, I, I fully filled the tires on the old Pacific, the 1903 Packard at the, the Henry Ford, because well, you can't get the style tire that goes on it anymore. It's not a clincher. It's it was a, a solid tube tire, single sorry, single tube tire. Uh, yeah, you just you don't want to drive them fast. If if you filled it with the polyfill that is available like aftermarket. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Colin, you're talking about the same thing. Yeah. Those you do not put on automobiles that are going to run down the road. That's like what they do to forklift tires, stuff like that to make them solid rubber inside. If they pop, you don't, yeah. If they get too hot, the, the polymer that they use internally will start to soften and, and turn to a liquid. But also the ride is just horrible with that stuff because it has 
no absorbency of of the rough road or any bumps you'll hit. It's just solid and it'll all go through the suspension. Yeah. It yeah. works great for, for museum vehicles and slow speed. You know, old Pacific, I drove it at 10, 15 miles an hour around the village, uh, Greenfield village when we had it out running and it's great because the problem is you couldn't get the right tires anymore. So I salvaged the tires that were on it, even though they wouldn't hold air anymore, it still looks appropriate and it can drive at slow speed for demonstration runs, things like that. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's actually, as you say, Colin, it's, it's actually absolutely perfect. I'm pretty sure you actually stole the idea from me. Cause I'm sure we've had this conversation before. Had to throw that in there. I'll say we also did some of that with some of the motorcycle tires because Again, some of those are out of production and that on some of the stuff at the museum. The other thing is, not only is it a stiff ride, is it a hard ride? Uh, the balance can be an issue also. Uh, so, mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, they, they, they don't balance. They do <laughs> not balance. So, um, getting close to time. I got four what more else you got articles. For Come on. Well, let's see Four. here. John, come on, man. Yeah, let's see here. This one, this, this is, we'll just quote, charge ahead with this one. And this is yeah. some comments. And I was trying, Skip I it. should have dug up some of the stuff for Mazda too, because Mazda seems, Mazda's flat come out and said, we're not doing this electric bullshit. We're staying gas powered, which there could be a business case for them on this. But this one is um, Carlos Tavers, the CEO of Stellantis, um, basically saying, yeah, we're going to build electric cars. We're going to be fully electric by 2030, basically 100% electric by 2038. But it's a very, very dumb idea um, that um, he has big problems with the electric electrification of the future. Um, there's a, already a battery sh shortage plaguing the in excuse me industry. Uh, he's touched on the raw materials, the shortages, the cast, uh, and that's casting serious doubt on the ability to scale up manufacturing. He's brought up the fact all of you know everybody's ignoring, and we've talked about it multiple times on the show. And hell, most car people have talked about it. This is at least a car guy trying to bring it out to the general public. The um, environmental, um, let's see here. Um, let's see, I got a quote here talking about it. Yeah. The, wait till the world uh, comes to really realize how the raw materials for EV batteries are extracted from the earth. The industry won't like it um, because they basically he's saying it's ecological or ecological devastation and child labor's involved in mining these minerals because they're huge strip mines with no care just to get the, the substances to make the batteries, let alone we talk about the coal and, you know, moving the power and the pollution elsewhere. It's going to be really, you know, he's saying it's going to be interesting to see what happens when people start realizing where the batteries come from. He's saying that if we, all of a sudden we do go this way, where are the batteries going to come from? And we're going to find, like much like the EU did, who relies like 90% of their oil comes from Russia. And they seem to be having a little bit, you know, there's this little spat with Russia that the world has right now. Um, and they're paying for it. And he's not saying, but he, he well, what water did he use? Um um, I can't find the word that he used, but he wasn't saying it. But uh, we'll probably have to rely on certain Asian companies uh, to get our batteries. And what happens when these communist re regimes all of a sudden go, wait, you know, they do something we don't like or they decide to do, you know, there's all he's pointing that there's a lot of issues with this beyond can we charge all these cars? Can we make all these cars work? Uh, 
battery production, where they're going to be produced, the devastation that the batteries are going to cause. We're not even talking about the disposal and trying to make um, recyclable batteries, which do exist. Don't get um, a lot of people are saying we have recyclable batteries, and I've got a friend who's I think on the third refurbished battery in his Prius. He drives it a, a lot, uh, but it's you know it's kind of nice to to me. Number one, to see Mazda come out and say, hey, we don't think this electrification is the way to go, and we're not going to put a dollar behind it. You're going to drive a internal combustion engine Miata until we're no longer a company. And you've got the uh, CEO of Stellantis saying, we're going to play with you, but I have a feeling they've also got another ball in the, the back room. Uh, and ready to move, uh, I guess, really Well, I mean, quickly. here's 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 my take on it, John. I mean, you're – number one, yes, the, this, is, this is a discussion that needs to be had because we know that the, the minerals and the mining that it takes to get these – some of these, you know, rare earth elements and various things that go into batteries – and electric technology, circuit boards, all this that is happening is there's a lot of questions on what is that impact of that on the environment and what is the impact of the batteries when they are dead and junk on the environment as well. If they're ones that can't be refurbished, recycled, whatever word you want to use. But again, you look back at history and this is this is what happens anytime we have technological change, technological development is, you know, we have to figure all of this out. It's, it's no different than figuring out, you know, gas steam electric at the turn of the century, what's going to work best. What is, what did we come up with? That was the most affordable route to go. Well, that was the internal combustion engine. It got easier to operate, uh, you know, petroleum, petrol, fuel, gas prices, or the, the manufacturing of it all became easier. Uh, yada, 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 all, all the things that happened at that, at that developmental time. And that's what we're going through right now. And we have to figure it all out. And, and are there fights over it? Yes, there are, you know, I think the other thing is, and, and I think I have to agree a little bit with, with Mazda and Stellantis here, which is let's not put all the eggs in one basket. Let's, let's not put everything towards electric because we don't a hundred percent know yet. And, if you really dig into it, there are a couple companies out there that are looking into, and, and we've talked about it on the show before, synthetic gasolines that will burn extremely clean and bring the, you know, pollution levels of, of the exhaust, the tailpipe exhaust down to a level that is almost zero emission. I think some of the, the work they're doing is proving to be zero emission for the emissions that we're concerned with, right? I'm not getting to a point of electric zero emission out of a tailpipe. But, you know, I think at, at, at times of technological change like this, it never hurts to not go all towards one one place right I mean, that that would be my take on it hopefully they're thinking about synthetic fuels and what that could mean and electric vehicles and what that could mean you know what happens when we do figure out synthetic fuels and we can make them extremely affordable and uh, you know it is almost zero emission and then all of a sudden you go okay well now we've got that and that's really powerful and we can we can build a hybrid with an electric that yeah, we focus on how that is environmentally impactful and we create a hybrid that is absolutely insane and still green. Uh, you know, to me, there's a lot of options here that need to be explored. And I, I would say, you know, to Mazda and Stellantis and anybody saying, yeah, you know, we're, we're not going to go hundred percent on that. You know, I, 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 I hope that something comes out of it. 
Was that enough rambling? That was okay. And I mean, all your points are valid too. It's I, I guess the whole overall thing is, is as much as I don't like Stellantis and some of the the practices, um, it's good to see that some people are not going into it completely blind. The the people in Congress know what's know what's right for the world, not necessarily the automotive manufacturers. Um, I was going to go ahead since that was we were still charging through with the electric vehicles there um, and talk a little bit about the Volkswagen Scout um, because Volkswagen owns um, Navistar and has the rights to the Scout name. Uh, but we'll cover that one later. It's going to be a deal kind of like Rivian and um, sounds like it sounds like it's a done deal that they're going to come out with. And I don't know. Electric Hummers, new Ford Broncos, the Scout. Um, we'll go there. The one that I, I want to hit this one, we'll wrap up with this uh, news story, Derek, because it's museum related. And maybe you saw it or maybe not. The rumored sale of the Mercedes-Benz 300 SLR Uhlenhalt Coupe. I saw a brief mention of it. Do you think Mercedes actually sold it? I saw a brief mention of it. I have no clue what it was about. (laughs) Well, there's a rumor that Mercedes invited very select individuals who would not, I guess we go back to the Corvette conversation, would not necessarily flip the car to come to, they spent a week with Mercedes and dinners, wined and dined. And basically, I guess, I'm assuming it was a sealed bid auction. But when it really comes down to it, uh, 130 million euros or 136.8 million dollars later, Mercedes sold one of their two 300 SLRs. They swore these cars would never go into public hands. Uh, They were built or being built in 1955 when the tragedy at Le Mans occurred. And was it 83 spectators died at that? Uh, Um, 80, 85. Well, article says 83. Um, Okay, maybe 83. Pierre Boulin, when he lost control of his Mercedes and, you know, crashed into the crowd and Mercedes pulled out of racing for well they said forever but when in reality it came down to 39 years or 30 34 years because they re-entered in 1989 but two of those 300 slrs had already been made for the following season and instead of them being raced one became the company car of the head of the mercedes-benz test department it was the fastest road car at the time at a top speed of 180 miles an hour. And then they swore they would never sell. Them. But there's this rumor that for some chair charitable purpose, for some charity, Mercedes agreed to sell one of these cars. And some lucky multi-billionaire, um, I would assume bought the thing because I doubt if uh, Bank of America wrote the note on a 130 uh, million euro car, but almost doubles the record price paid for a car at auction. Call up your buddy Musk and see if he bought it. (laughs) Uh, I would be, it would be, it, it will be very interesting to see if this actually happened. I mean, there's a lot out here on the rumor And here's, you know, you said it's it's museum related. It It is and it isn't because, you know, even though it's the Mercedes-Benz Museum in Stuttgart, the Mercedes-Benz Museum is owned and operated by the company. It is a corporate museum. So it's, it's not quite the same as your nonprofit world museum that we're used to working in and, and being around where... Uh, this would be unheard of uh, to to sell such a significant vehicle to a private individual. 
would a museum possibly do a trade or a sale of some kind to another institution that would, you know, have the car in the public domain still? Yes. But to a private individual, very, very rare for something like that to happen. Um, I actually haven't, I, it just popped into my head. I, 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 I'm very curious if this car might not, if, if this is true, if the rumors are true, if this is all actually happening, it would be interesting to see if this car winds up at a certain place in Florida. I think you know what I'm talking about. That would be a ton of money for that person to be spending. It would, but it fits the mission of what they do. It definitely fits that mission, and it fits well into that collection. Mm -hmm. It it really could help tell a story. Mm -hmm. And I think the money's there. I imagine that the money could be there or could easily be found. So it will be interesting. I'm yeah, going I'm, to I'm really ahead. interested in seeing this one play out. Um, you know, where it ends up, how it ends up, if, if it's ever seen again. I do like your theory where it could end up. Because I'm, you know, thinking long and hard. There's a few other collections I see that have the money, but it just doesn't fit. So, yeah, exactly. And it's either it's got to be a private. If this happened, it's either private collection or very one of very few other museums in the world that are are funded by a private individual or private individuals that would have the pockets to do this as a donation to the foundation. And this, this story I'll say was everywhere. I actually got it off of my quick little notes here from a motorist, M O T O R I O U S.com. Um, I guess it'd be interesting to follow. Is it, is it, is it, how did you pronounce it? I I don't pronounce words properly because I don't like reading all the letters. Right. See, I think you said motorous, and I've always heard it and, and thought it was motorious, like notorious, but with it motor. It could be motorious. That would make sense. Mo, we, mo, sh- we should mo- ask motorous. the guys that write, write for it to come on the show and, and talk to us, right? Yeah. So if they're listening or or somebody knows them, tell them to get hold of us. We want to know, is it notorious? Well, this new service that I'm using motorists. for some news usually provides me some email addresses and that. This one actually doesn't, though. I can figure it out. I can do anything. Well, we covered a whole bunch of topics tonight. Not a lot of BS, a lot of meat to the... I hope it was a good show for everybody. Um, good to have no, you back, Derek. I know it's been a couple of weeks since we've seen you. Um, I know we're live next week. I got to talk off. to the guys. Huh? I got to be out of town I've been here. Working all uh, those time. I, I got to be out of town June 1st. So we, I, I might go ahead and do a retro episode, but we'll see. Uh, the, I might see if Derek and Will can actually run one of these episodes on their own. But how do we do that I'm, without you hosting it? I think you could do. We'll it. figure that out behind the scenes. Never mind. Yes. But I think that's about it. I hope everything broadcast well. Please let it, let me know. Um, no driving gloves dot com emails there. Facebook, uh, this video feed, the audio podcasts. Everything's there. Check us out there. Buy us a cup of coffee. Um do thank all the donations and stuff. I got to look at that that uh, went to. And did I I'm trying to think, did I keep the thing up here for um, Will's little shindig? Probably should mention that too. If I've got a, 
If I got a graphic, I should have a graphic. Yes. There we go. The grip autocross that Will's putting on up oh, against yeah, autocross. autocross. Huh? Yep. We I got a few bucks autocross. for him to go yeah. his way. Maybe when we get him on the show, we'll fill him in. Um, otherwise, I'll see you next week. Same, uh, I'll say, that channel. Same place, same time, same bat channel, same people, same whatever, all the same. Different topic, hopefully. And maybe. I'm out Next of week, here. it'll be the letter F. Well, you mean the F word? The four-letter F word. <laughs>